Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. If we don't take the time to ask those questions and identify those activities, then we're back on autopilot and that shit just keeps building and our minds keep getting stuffed and stuffed until there's, you know, too much pressure. Hi, I'm Mark Groves. I'm a human connection specialist and founder of Create the Love. At an early point in my life, I became obsessed with understanding relationships, the intricacies of how people connect. And through this exploration, I have created a life and a business dedicated to learning out loud and exploring how we interact with each other and the world. This podcast brings the world's top thought leaders, spiritual luminaries, physicians, scientists, researchers, best-selling authors, and health and wellness experts under one roof to discuss the good, the bad, the messy, and of course, the beautiful parts of the human experience. Welcome to the Mark Groves Podcast. I can't wait to dive in with you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's always a honor and a privilege to have someone with a similar name <laughs> to me <laughs> on the podcast and also someone who had who had a similar background we actually worked at the same company when we were both pharmaceutical reps and have gone through personal transformation so mark champagne pleasure the pleasure is all mine mark it's uh full circle in terms of our life paths in a way so it's exciting i'm, I'm, I'm pumped to chat I find that so crazy about it, which is when you're a rep or you're in any job, let's be honest, and you have this sort of nudge, this calling, this feeling, but you know, they have that saying that, uh, about golden handcuffs, you know, when you're in a job that has like a pension, you know, all the, yeah. the buzzy, the buzzy HR finance terms that you have this calling and it, it feels, you know, when I was leaving that work and I'm curious to hear your experience people be like, why would you let that go? And you can't see where you're going to be. You just mm -hmm. have a feeling. And I'm curious what your experience of that feeling was. How did it show up? Yeah. I mean, interesting you, you bring that up in, in that way, because I had two experiences when, when I made the decision to leave and, and jump in the entrepreneurial world and start an app. On my like close network and family side of things, especially my parents, they were like, what the hell are you doing? Like you've got, you know, all these investments and the security and all of that stuff, which I totally get. I mean, they're they're from that world. 
But what was super interesting on the other side, sharing it with colleagues that say, hey, I've got this idea. I would regret not trying it. If it doesn't work, I'll come back, blah, blah, blah. The sentiment, and I didn't expect this, was, wow, you're so brave. Like, I have an idea too, but I couldn't. Mm. Like, that just was over uh, the feeling just kept coming up over and over again. And I'd never, like from people that you was really close with that, yeah. like, wow, I, I didn't didn't know that, like you were thinking that as well. I mean, what, just go for it then. But you're like, no, 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 I can't. There's no way I could do that, right? So yeah, so I, I felt both of those experiences. It's amazing how many people have a subtle or maybe not so subtle calling that gets pushed into the background or underneath. And yeah they're rationalizing why they shouldn't leave or why they can't leave or why that transform or why pursuing that passion is illogical. You know, I did that for years. I did that. I, I rationalized my way out of it till it was so loud and the opportunity was so possible that yeah. I couldn't say no anymore. It was almost like I knew that I would get sick if I continued to mm. stay in the old space. Was that yeah. true for you too? Or my situation was more like, because I wasn't in a place, I got to this place after, but I wasn't in a place where I didn't like my job. I was, you Same. know, it was, go it was going really well. And there was just, there was just this underlying desire to try out this, you know, this journaling app. Because I had the practice, like from the beginning I started sales, I had started that practice and, mm -hmm. and I saw how powerful you know, reflection was. And I had, I guess the part that gave enough comfort or stability was I had fired off an email to my brother-in-law who has been a lifelong entrepreneur and I expressed that here's what's going on, headspace and calm, really just like they're killing it in the mainstream, you know, meditation market. There's nothing that exists for guided journaling at this point. And I gave all the reasons. I said, said you know, is this something that you'd be interested in exploring together? Because we got along really well. He had a designer on his team. He was doing, you know, websites and and also like IT phone systems and internet, nothing to do with app development, <laughs> which is, you know, our like naive brains thinking, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we can we can develop an app, no problem. <laughs> right. But it was enough that I remember we were at a conference together. Uh, I was there for the pharma company. He was just coming. I said, why don't you when you swing by? And we started chatting and he's like, why don't you just join my company as a partner? And you can help me on the marketing side because I need help with that. But then 80% of your time is to build out this basically this brand new mental fitness wellness business. So with that, then all of a sudden, it wasn't like just leaving behind this financial security. There was a bit of a replacement and it seemed like it was going to be even better. I mean, it didn't play out like that, but that was enough to give, okay, I'm going to try this. And thankfully, like I, you hear these stories all the time, like had you known that certain things would play out like I would have never left, right? So it's in a way, it was it was a great, great experience to be almost naive to what it takes to develop an app, what it takes to run one of these these businesses kind of that's brand new in the space. I'm here because of it. Like it, you know, there's there's a whole level of detail obviously where it blew up. And ironically what I shared with seeing colleagues on the other side saying, oh you're so brave for going, you know, jumping down this world that was the thing that just messed me up the most when the whole thing blew up. Because I'm like, mm -hmm. now I got to go back to those people and be like, I guess you were right. Like you, you, you made the right decision, right? Like that's, that, that was the looping narrative I had when that mm. app uh, financially didn't work. 
It's such an interesting perspective too, because I get that. I remember when I was leaving, my dad said to me, why don't you just take a leave of absence? And I was like, dad, that's like saying I don't trust. Yeah. Like that was too much of a, I, I still got one foot in the nest, so yeah. to speak, you know, and interesting that we have this narrative and, and you know, for context, for you listening, like there's no better person to be interviewing right now about mental fitness and personal inquiry than Mark, because through, I mean, your work was that your work yeah. was teaching that, and that was also your process. And so to go through these really challenging life circumstances, and I, to come back to your idea about like leaving, going out on this adventure, doing the thing, creating it, it not working out how you had anticipated. And yet, you know, it works out in some respect, but when you're yeah. in it, it's like when you're in the transformation you're not like, this is juicy transformation. You know, you're like, yeah, this shit's hard, but it's, it's ironic that it's not even ironic. It's painful that our conceptual narrative that we've been taught is that to return to the tribe or to the return to the people and come back with this story of quote unquote failure mm-hmm. as opposed to wisdom and what you've learned, you know, it's, it just is so indicative to me of just the way that we relate to yeah. like to come back with triumph is totally different. If you came back a dot com billionaire, people would be like, you succeeded. But you came back not that, but with like incredible experience. Yeah. That everyone sure. should be like, tell me more about journaling. Tell me more about failure. But I think there's a timing thing there because that ended up and I mean that's kind of where I'm at now where, you know, like my mess has turned into the to the story and, and the teachable moments. But right in the moment, like yeah. when I was sitting in Toronto, Canada, looking at the Apple dashboard, and I'm looking at these stats that we had reached 86.9 million people. And my That's next step nuts. is to hit delete from App Store. Like, oh, what the fuck? God. <laughs> like, like, of all the plate, you know, when they say leave on a high, you know, like, but when the high, the leaving isn't, you know, this, it's not like Jordan coming back from retirement, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> the third time maybe, but. What was that like, that moment, that moment of conceptually, like everything you'd created, every heart you'd touched, yeah, being removed almost from the cloud even? I'll never forget that moment because our team, we had a team maybe about six internal, maybe about 12, like with extended team and so forth. But those those six people that were internal were all scattered around the world. I was the only one in this co-working space. And I just remember feeling so alone. and reflecting on like holy shit in one tap of like my mouse pad i'm deleting three and a half years worth of work and just like constant belief of we're gonna do this we're gonna impact a million minds like we're we're making a difference in this world and now i'm deleting it i'm deleting my identity essentially from the last three years and i also don't want to go back to where I came from, which was the backup plan. Because now, you know, having gone through the experience, I'm like, damn straight, like this is the work. Mental fitness is the work that I need to be in. And I'm deleting the vehicle that's keeping me in this. And I have, for the first time in my life, I have no plan forward. I mean, you came from a similar, like you knew exactly what we were doing. Like every, you know, every year, this was the plan. If you want to go here, you do this, do that. And this is the first time, no idea what's going on. I'd moved to Toronto. We're in a place that, you know, we're renting. We had sold everything out of Montreal to, to do this. Can't afford where we're living. Where it's always supposed to be temporary. And 
it's just like, well, now what? Right. So I could wow. feel myself. It's the first time I've ever felt. And I was working at the end, I was working on when I was in pharma, I was working on mental health products. So I had, you know, general understanding of some signs and symptoms, right? I could see myself going into a depression. Yeah. And it wasn't until, thankfully, and this is, I think you, you alluded to this, but like working in this space, thankfully, I had hundreds of interviews to, you know, to recall and think, well, wait a second. I've interviewed like Michelin star chefs, Olympians and billionaires. They're asking a very different set of questions than the set that I'm asking right now. And yeah. for me was how could we fail at such a colossal level, right? What would my ex-colleagues think, my, you know, our advisors, my family, they were asking more progressive questions to pull yourself like out of these. Yeah. Well, just like the question I ended up landing on eventually was, well, what do I want for my life? Hmm. Right. And then that led Such to the a big next question. One. It's huge. And like, I think like if I were to ask that question now, and sometimes I do think about that, it's just, it's a check-in though. Like at that moment oh, though. Cause like, it's been so programmed into your vernacular, your rituals, your habits. Yeah. That, it's exactly. But that moment, it took that moment to dis- to reach for these tools that you'd cultivated and, and learned about. But now you're like this, cause I always think those are the moments, like the moments when life is the hardest that's usually yeah. when we throw all our anchors, all our strategies, our exercise routines. They go out the window and we reach for maybe not the right word, but they're almost like more dark coping mechanisms. So right before I sat down to get some work done this afternoon, I experienced that classic afternoon crash. You know, my energy was dropping and I could feel that my brain was sort of like, eh, are we going to do this? And I don't drink caffeine very often anymore. I don't want to be dependent on it. I might have a coffee once a week. And the reason is I don't want to have to be like, oh, I need a coffee to get through this afternoon. I felt like that was just another form of addiction. And I like my body and my mind to be free from the necessity of things in order to show up and perform. And so one thing that I've done in order to replace coffee and still get energy and also nutrition is I've been taking Organifi Red Juice. It's got 13 superfoods it's fully organic it's got no caffeine just two grams of sugar that come from freeze-dried berries and so not only does it provide me with energy but it's actually super delicious and super easy to make you just in 30 seconds you just open it up mix it with some water and drink it down and as i said it tastes so great so if you want to save 20 percent off red juice this sounds like it'd be a good fit for you if you're trying to kick coffee or whatever check it out go to organifi.com slash create the love and that's o-r-g-a-n-i-f-i dot com slash create the love go check it out you save 20 percent on all the good stuff Well, the comfort. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. I love kettle cooked salt and vinegar chips. They're great to yeah. go through sad, grieving sure. moments, but they're not getting me out. You no. know, you started with the question, what do I want from my life? And I, for the you listening, like just to pause with that, because that's such a good check-in. I'm considering that even right now too, is like, what do I want with my life? What values? How do I want to be remembered? Where did that take you? And then what next? Well, that, I mean, so it's interesting you mentioned the the habits we usually let slip. Thankfully, again, like that's where I was working in the space and knew, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I know that I'm not dropping my gym membership and I'm starting every morning. At the time I was at the YMCA and they had like a steam room in there and whatnot. And that time from like end of workout to before going into that co-working space of just meditating and being 
you know, present between that and those questions, like that's what saved me or I would have been, I would have been in a deep depression because then like, that's the big question. But after that, it's like, okay, well, if this is, if this is what I want, like this is how I want to show up. Well then how, how will the days look and feel right? Who do I Mm. need to speak with to help support that journey? And then, you know, like what's one step to take today that I can just like, just giving these micro moments of motivation and to bring back that hope because I had lost it all right? There was nothing there. It's like, I just deleted everything. Everything's gone. So now what? And I'm not going to say like that, those those are really hard times, but just dialing into gratitude, present moment. I remember even when I deleted the app, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm in this co-working space that's safe, that, you know, there's really smart, intelligent people around here that I'm sure I can network with and, and, you know, find some sort of freelance work until I can figure out exactly what I'm going to do next. And I just deleted this app on a laptop that most people in the world actually don't even have. So just mm. like perspective check, right? Yeah, to contextualize Just to cut that. it. Because if you don't do that, and at least in my case, if I didn't do that, my mind just starts to loop. Like, I'm not going to be able to afford rent. My two-year-old's going to, like, what's my two-year-old going to think of his dad? Like all of these things, right? It's so fast how that happens. And thankfully, though, when it comes to any type of mental fitness, which to me is just training your mind to perform for you instead of against you, gives you enough self-awareness that, oh, okay, I'm going into that loop. I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to cut it, right? Or I'm going to just close my eyes and think of someone that I'm really grateful that's in my life. I'm going to send them a quick message and just, hey, just thinking about you. Hope you're awesome. You made their day. They make your day. And it's just enough to cut the loops. I still use this stuff, right? Like, there's no shortage of craziness going on in the world right now that, I mean, it's easy to get wrapped up into any type of, of narratives that aren't serving the person you're striving to become, right? And these practices at least give us the, the luxury of the pause. Yeah, and your podcast where you interview sort of world-renowned experts in uh, who have achieved things and in all different areas. Yeah. And you explore what is their sort of mental fitness routines? How do they retain or, or continue to do what you said, which is in that moment of pause, when there's what someone else might consider failure. And I think that quote, rejection is redirection, sort of fits very well in that question of, okay, this thing ended much like we experience relationally, but this is yours is your relationship with your purpose, your relationship, yeah. the thing you're doing every day, the way that you're wanting to reach people. And the, the people that you interview, I'm curious, what is in your experience sort of the top three habits or mental fitness routines or the ones that have touched you the most or changed you the most? It's just being conscious of the fact that when we focus on creating space in our minds or still our minds, that's when insight comes up. And then that's when you start to see the signs moving forward. So and this is how the app came up. The, the app came up because I was getting up earlier in the morning, being in sales, thinking, as you know, like everyone's trained in the exact same way. I'm like, how can I possibly stand out? I mean, I need to do something differently. I started getting up earlier in the morning and studying people read, at the time, reading blogs and so forth. And when pods came on the market, uh, started listening to those interviews and it wasn't like like meditation. I think the stat is like 80, you would probably, you can predict that about 80% of those people are meditating. In this case, 100% of them had a reflective practice. 
we're all asking questions. Just hundred percent of them, uh, for sure. Had a, right? that is so important because yeah. whenever I've had a reflective practice, which I do, but when I didn't, to compare to when I do, I mean, it, it, there are two different people. One sort of yeah. reacting to the world, and the other one is observing and planning in some way. For sure, for sure. So essentially what, what, what I was doing was collecting their questions. And that's what I still do to this day on, on behind the human, because I mean, that's, that's why the line on the back of my book is, is, is this oh, that's line. such a good line, right? It's, we're all one question away from a completely different life or outcome. That we're all one question away from a completely different life. Well, that's what I felt, right? When, when I deleted the app, that one question for me stopped my downward track and put me on this this journey, which is which feels really great. But that's like the grandiose situation. We can leverage that philosophy in, in the day-to-day as well when you deploy some sort of gratitude, right? If you're if you're if you're not feeling great, and I encourage people to do this right now. If you're if you're feeling a bit off right now, just close your eyes again and bring up a moment that you conquered in your life that you can celebrate. I, and, and tap into those feelings. Like where are you feeling that in your body? you can't be thinking about the other narrative that's that's sending you down another track when you're thinking of those moments, right? I think it's Tony Robbins that says this, but you, like you, you can't be grateful and fearful at the same time. It's really hard to be in both of those states of mind. So, you know, when, you, when you're in those moments, you can deploy these questions like, what can I celebrate about my life? You know, like what, like who can I celebrate? In that moment, you're one question away from a completely different mindset. And we have to keep doing that, though, because, I mean, when you're on autopilot, which many people are, and myself, I fall into that uh, every now and then as well, and society is set up in that way, it's easy to just jump into, you know, news headlines or whatever's going on. And even in the workplace, like, oh, yeah, we're doing this project. This is what we need to do. Like, people have just stopped thinking. So these questions allow us to just pause for a second, create some mental space, ask some good questions and think to actually take a little moment that pause that is it a victor frankel quote that is uh between stimulus and response there's a space and in that space uh, i think it's something like you get to choose and that essentially that space changes your life that's the superpower and the more you have what i mean obviously journaling is a big one for me but breath work meditation just walks in silence like all that all those things are doing is just increasing that self-awareness to give you more of that micro pause that you can yeah you zoom up to 40,000 feet and instead of making you know instead of reacting you can now respond in a more intentional way but before you get into these intentional responses or take the action that's more intentional first we have to get clear right so like that's why that question for me what do I want for my life was so important because we can easily get onto this is James Clear like am I climbing the right mountain right like let's identify the mountain and then get into the process of all right do my habits systems the people around me do they support that person that I'm, I'm striving to become if they're not they're just driving you down the mountain or you're going to blow off the side right but this is a thought process. Like, this is why I'm so passionate about this stuff. It's, this is not earth shattering. I'm not inventing journaling. I'm not inventing questions. They've been around since the beginning of time. But all we need to do is just slow it down a little bit so we can let our awesome mind, you know, work its magic instead of being on autopilot. 
So right before I sat down to get some work done this afternoon, I experienced that classic afternoon crash. You know, my energy was dropping and I could feel that my brain was sort of like, "Eh, are we going to do this? And I don't drink caffeine very often anymore. I don't want to be dependent on it. I might have a coffee once a week. And the reason is I don't want to have to be like, oh, I need a coffee to get through this afternoon. I felt like that was just another form of addiction. And I like my body and my mind to be free from the necessity of things in order to show up and perform. And so one thing that I've done in order to replace coffee and still get energy and also nutrition is I've been taking Organifi Red Juice. It's got 13 superfoods. It's fully organic. It's got no caffeine, just two grams of sugar that come from freeze-dried berries. And so not only does it provide me with energy, but it's actually super delicious and super easy to make. You just, in 30 seconds, you just open it up, mix it with some water and drink it down. And as I said, it tastes so great. So if you want to save 20% off red juice, this sounds like it'd be a good fit for you if you're trying to kick coffee or whatever, check it out. Go to Organifi.com slash create the love. And that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash create the love. Go check it out. You save 20% on all the good stuff. Well, and the mind gets so captured by social media and everything, you know, it's how yeah. much I was thinking the other day that one of the most powerful, uh, I forget who I was listening to, but they were saying that one of the most powerful birthplaces of creativity and insight, as you're mentioning too, is, is boredom, is actually boredom, but we don't even know what that is generally anymore. Because it feels terrifying. Right. Right. Stare out the window. Be like, I don't think so. Yeah. And all of a sudden your soul's like, hey, you should probably have that conversation. And you're like, where's my Instagram feed? Can I watch a TikTok dance? Because I don't. Yeah. I don't want to deal with this shit. I saw a meme the other day that had like kids sitting on wagons and and sitting on the street. And it said we didn't realize how good we had it when we were kids. And, you know, smartphones and phones and computers were not really around in my, they were definitely not around in my childhood. Computers yeah. came around in, I think, 86 when I was like eight. So I do remember having one, but it wasn't capturing enough that I would, you know, it was like MS-DOS. You had to like yeah. no commands and, you know. Yeah, we're from the same era. <laughs> right, like nothing like what it does to a kid's brain today. It's like the juiciest, coolest thing you've, I mean, yeah. no kid's brain stands much like an adult actually say kids adults human brains don't stand a chance against the behavioral psychologists who that are teamed to get Mm -hmm. you to be on these devices and it it's such an act of sovereignty that i struggle with too to reclaim one's own attention in order to ask these questions and you know journaling you know the audience like you listening i'm sure you've heard episodes on breath work and meditation and personal inquiry, but never have I interviewed someone about the act of journaling. Where does one even start with that? And and I guess you got to say, I'm going to go spend some time doing that. I'm going to go be bored and ask myself some questions and birth some answers. Well, I think the, the greatest starting point would be to come in blowing out your definition of journaling because most of us, and myself included when I first got into it, think of journaling as pen to paper, like 
light a candle, set the ambiance. I think I like a diary too, yeah. Exactly. I used to get that all the time. Uh, I had to adjust the language just to avoid this, but I used to get it all the time where people are like, oh, you're talking about this 12-year-old girl writing in her diary about the boy at school. There's nothing (laughs) wrong with that. So true. But not necessarily. I'm talking about these big questions that literally have the power to, to, to change our lives. So I would suggest the definition I give to journaling is that, which is the practice behind journaling, and that's just reflection. So reflection, we all do. It's just thought, right? And you can do that pen to paper. You can use an app if you have a really good relationship with your technology, which falls into, into your work, right? Because you don't want to load up your app and all of a sudden you're like you're hit with Slack notifications kind of defeats the purpose. But there, there are so many different things you can do. Audio notes, you can take a walk and just think about a question that you want to answer. Or you go to sleep, for example. This is one I, I use all the time. Like, what do I want to say? What feels right? Write that question down, go to sleep. First thing you do when you wake up is answer the question. And all of a sudden you have this like flurry of, of answers mm, after your mind has, has reflected on it. Yeah, I, I borrowed that. I mean, I, Cal Fussman, uh, a legendary uh, Esquire journalist and writer, is the one that shared that one with me. And he said, you know, Mark, I never, I never start writing a piece with an empty mind. If I don't have it, I'm going to write down what do I want to say, go to sleep, and then I'll start in the morning, for example. And I'm like, wow, you can, you can use that so many different places. So yeah, so I would start with just being open and with a blank canvas to all we're going to do is reflect and then just start small like anything. Like we, we get so wrapped up in these big complexities of just like if you're, you want to just start to exercise, like don't aim for the marathon in three weeks, like just start moving the body a little bit, right? And, and slowly getting there. So maybe all you're doing to get started, and this is, this is journaling, this is reflection when your coffee's brewing in the morning or your tea's steeping or your first glass of water, how do I want to show up today? One word. Just set the intention for the day. Or you can start and you can marry this together. How do I feel today? One word. I feel anxious. Where do you feel that? I feel it in my chest. Because like, here's the thing, whether you stop and do this or not, that stuff's coming in with you for the day, right? And that's (laughs) going to show up in conversation, in your work, your mind. So just literally five minutes of two questions, two word answers. You've already done most or more than most of the population, and you're starting the day on your own terms. And then you mm. just start building it out. And the next thing you know, you get into questions like what you and I were chatting about our last conversation, but like, what, what, am, I, what am I pretending not to know? Mm, it's a little bit of a deeper question. One. Yeah, let's pause on that one. What yeah. am I pre- pretending not to know? I feel like the trickster, the self-saboteur, the subcontracting of authority to other people. I feel like when you see that habit in people where they constantly ask for advice from other people and they just don't trust themselves. They don't, they've been told not to trust themselves. They've been socialized not to trust themselves like that. What am I pretending not to know? Cause we know that's the thing we know it's there. It's in the back corner of the mind and that's probably where we need to go. And we don't hear it often because there's so much moving around us. There's too many distractions and too much noise, too many decisions, emails, things we need to do. But that's what happens when you take even 10 minutes just to quiet the mind a bit. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, where, where's that been, right? And, and that, you know, going full circle to your question about like what, what I've noticed with interviewing all these different people, they do that. They take the time to just slow it down and think 
right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, that was a great decision. Well, we all have the great decisions. They're all there. Just need to, we just need to organize our mind just like a neatly organized library. Right now, our minds are like we went in there and fucking tipped all over the book the bookshelves. <laughs> it's all there, but you're like rummaging through trying to like, oh, there he is type thing, right? So organize that stuff. And it takes time. No self-judgment. Just, just be kind to ourselves. Slowly, though, we'll become more self-aware, be able to take different courses of action. And then there's, this is the third part of my book, and it, there's just a, an expansion of possibility because you can see. Uh, do, why do you think we're so afraid of maybe even the expansion of possibility, but also why are we afraid of the slowness that is required to get to these spaces? Well, because it, it goes against the norm. Everything in society is fast. Everything. And everything, I'd add on like fast and very much like coming out of the industrial revolution of like, these are the steps. Like you do these things and, and like you'll get to a desired result or whatever. But things have changed. Like we're no longer in that era. And we're also in an era where there's just so much you know, so much content, so much being thrown in our minds that like we haven't evolved to handle that. Like it's like no, we were we just thrown in. I think of like to add some humor to it, to lighten it a bit. I think of a Sebastian Maniscalco uh skit. Are you familiar oh, with him? He's hilarious. Yeah. He was he's he just so talked there's one skit about where he's talking about the grocery store and, and the self-checkout and how it's, you know. He's like, I want to be the best at everything. So I went in the middle of the night and I trained myself on this because everyone else is just thrown in, right? And it's like, figure it out. I feel like we're just like thrown in in the social media world. They're thrown in in this content world and just like figure this out without the manual. Like there's no time to just slow down and it feels weird to slow it down, right? Yeah, it does. It does. It feels so, it's, um, it's almost like, when you slow down, you actually feel the momentum of everyone else fly by you. And then there's yeah. like a fear of not being part of that momentum, not realizing that in the very act of slowing down, you're observing it. Like you're observing the momentum. You're observing your feeling of wanting to be part of it. You're observing, gosh, just like how we're such an achievement based yeah. outcome based i mean we do that from sex to our work like it's outcome yeah. generally outcome focused and just in doing that you know i think of when you're really present to each moment which journaling requires which asking these questions requires which failure demands because yeah. it demands that you also explore that it's not failure but like all of it ejects you from the cultural pace and really starts to get you back into alignment with their circadian rhythm of the planet, the way it's moving mm -hmm. much slower and it's saying, just stop, just enjoy the butterfly, enjoy, yeah. you know. The thing is, it feels counterproductive, but it does. I just, yeah. I but promise and guarantee, exactly. I promise and guarantee everyone listening that if you really start to do this, I mean, your ideas will go to the next level. The right projects will show up. And, and just there's less noise. And next thing you know, you're like, holy smokes, like I am on the right path and the right people are showing up. I'm doing the right work because you've slowed it down. But the key is we need the check-ins, right? Like take 
the 10 or 15 minutes on a Friday afternoon and just take a look like, is my calendar like this week? Did I feel overbooked? You know, when you feel this, like your shoulders get tight, your neck is sore, like you're feeling usually physically, you start to feel off. I mean, that's for the most part, mental tension that that's just compacting or what uh, uh, someone I've interviewed in the past, Chip Conley calls psychic toll. Right. Mm. So if we can acknowledge that that's happening, the you, psychic you, toll, psychic toll, right? It's there. And Chip, I mean, he's he's on the cover of the book for a reason. He's just I've learned so much from him, and he just does these simple check ins. How am I feeling? Right? Because then you start to see, oh, okay, there's something there. Well, why do I feel like this? Then you start to unpack it. And next thing you know, when you're taking a look at the the week that just passed, you can ask a few, these are my staple questions. What did I learn this week? What would I have changed this week? And always end on gratitude. What can I celebrate about this week? And now you've just given yourself the opportunity to make some changes next week so that maybe it's not such a full week or whatever, or you're, you're directing energy on the right projects. And slowly but surely, you start releasing that psychic toll and you start becoming way more aligned with the, with the right path and you're making better decisions and you feel a hell of a lot better. Like that's, let's not forget about that. Yeah. (laughs) Completely change how you feel. And it occurs to me that you would be building just through the practice, just through the starting, just through the continuing. Oh yeah. You'd, You'd be building this like really deep, intimate relationship with yourself, which I'll speak from my own experience that that can be terrifying because there's so many things ourselves have been trying to say to us that we don't want to hear. Like you said, the bookshelf is pushed over mm-hmm. because we don't want all the wisdom because the wisdom would say, leave this, start this, say this, end this, yeah. demand this, boundary this, love this, you know, heal this all these messages are constantly being pushed into our they're always in our awareness and they get pushed down or pushed out or silenced through addictions through busyness i mean psychic toll i mean i feel the just the truth of that term of just if you were to consider your week and to think what events in my week had a positive versus negative psychic toll. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure our partners and our toddlers would be included in those sometimes. Yeah. But even acknowledging that is to just be in relationship with our shadow, to be in relationship with truth. You know, it's not like it's bad that you had a bad week in connecting with your partner. No, no, no. But even it, it, like some other language around that, like the other question you could ask is, what mental suffering did I put myself through this week? Right. Oh, I think we'd be afraid of that answer, you know, because you realize that you're your own executioner, you know, in a way. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. Like, I get it. And to move from that, I think we just need to take small steps. So it's not mm-hmm. so terrifying. Like, I'm not yeah. saying, hey, just go and quit your job immediately without thinking about it. But if we don't spend some time in those with those clarity seeking questions and getting clear, I mean, we're just delaying it because what's going to happen? The worst case scenario that I can see play out, there's two cases. One, and you hear this all the time, you're going to hit a wall and life explodes, work explodes, you get chronic disease, illness, something happens that forces you into some pretty deep reflective questions. Yes. Right? That's one stage. 
The other stage, and this is even worse in my opinion, you get to your deathbed and you have a thousand regrets. And there's some science there, or there's, I'll have to look, there's a profile on Ben Nimton in the book, and I think Stanford did a study on this, but it was alarmingly high, like over 50% of people that land on their deathbed have some sort of regrets that, you know, in their life. And that's, that's sad, right? Like, isn't it? So sad. So sad. It doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't. It makes me think of how powerful the process of something like AA is because it's successful because it has you, which I think most personal growth programs have this built into them. That's what makes them helpful is to be able to ask questions like you're inviting, which is what do I currently regret and how do I repair it? How do I Mm. heal from it? How do I grow from it? Like in AA, you got to go clear with the people you've impacted. You've got to own it. I mean, it's humility on steroids, but when you heal those things, all of a sudden you don't have the call for alcohol or addictions or less of, because Mm -hmm. you begin to alchemize your shame in a lot of ways. Yeah. I like that language. Man, that is the ultimate personal work, you know, to sit in the space, to get the answers in your book. um, And for you listening, it's called personal Socrates or personal Socrates, depending on uh, where you're from in the world. I had to ask Mark ahead of time, like, how do I pronounce which one's right? And they're both right. I'm happy to say Yes. in your book, can you give people an idea of the sort of layout and mm-hmm. how it might walk people through this process? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it's interesting because I, I didn't come to this reflection as I was writing it, but now talking about it and using myself, like I actually reread profiles myself. So I do practice what I preach. You do, because when we were talking separately previously, you're like, go to this section. This is one of my favorite ones that I do a lot. Yeah. Well, because what's in there are people and prompts that were incredibly helpful to me, but also the representation of the book is is very similar to what people we're experiencing with the app. I mean, the app succeeded in many different ways. We screwed up the financials and and like the flow of the app, but the content and the fact that we were leading people through topics with questions worked really well. That's what the book is. So I wrote it in or designed it in a way that there are three to four page profiles, recorded the audiobook myself. So I know that's anywhere from 10 to 12 minutes. So it's accessible for people. If you don't have a mental fitness practice, there we are. There it is. Just for um, everyone watching the video, here's what it looks like. Yes. Beautiful. So it's it's accessible, right? That if you don't have a practice, you, you know, one profile can be the practice. And if you already have something uh, in play, then the questions, you can upgrade them, for example. What I did is I took some of the most popular interviews and, and conversations I've had on the show, and I, I went back to those interviews and they're not writing the content of the interview in the profile. I'm using the the content of the interview to inspire prompts and mental fitness to support the theme, for example. So half of the profiles are set up in that way, lead you through bigger questions and some small. And then the other half of the profiles are all people that you would recognize their name, like Picasso, Jane Austen, Maya Angelou, And that was a different flow in the sense that I'm not writing a biography. I had to, again, this is where the editors turned into therapists for me, because how can I do Maya Angelou justice on a four-page mental fitness profile, right? I had to come to the realization that 
that's not what I'm doing here. There's, you can get that work in other places. My objective is to find the questions inspired by her work, her life, and her, her message that will then help us through her story to get to where we're at. For example, her, her opening prompt is, how do I rise up? And if you go through the whole profile, the through line is, you know, to rise up for others, you have to first rise up for yourself. And in between all of that are the, the questions and mental fitness to help go down that that path. So it's, you know, it, it's a book that I really hope that people can just pick up at any point and just, you know, jam on a prompt or a person. I actually encourage people to just kind of follow your intuition. That's probably where, you know, if you land on a Picasso prompt or Kobe Bryant or Stephen Hawking, like those are the areas that you you probably need the most guidance because for whatever reason you were called to stop there. So yeah, it's a bit of a choose your own adventure other than reading the introduction kind of from start to finish, everything else, open it as needed. And I've, I've found it's been so fun to experience or to have it out in the world because there's all these other use cases that are coming up. And if I think of your audience and your work, I see a lot of couples, a lot of couples that are reading a profile together and then coming together and using, you know, that 10 or 15 minutes to like, well, what did you, like, what, what did you answer for those prompts? And there's this beautiful dialogue that then happens that, you know, even for myself, wasn't happening in, in the relationship. And these are questions that we probably wouldn't just, you know, bring up on Sunday dinner type thing. You know, they're, they're a little bit different. We do so, now. We, do, we now. do now. So anyway, yeah. So all to say, I like just have fun with it. En- enjoy the process. Enjoy the reflection and see where it goes. Well, I love that at one of my favorite things to do with uh, books that are laid out like yours and yours is to just open it randomly on mm. and just yeah. allow the universe to decide what is the reflection. Like, it's funny because as you were talking, I opened it to be like, oh, where's a good relationship one? And I get Melissa Ambrosini's, <laughs> what expectations am I holding in my relationships? So beautiful. Like you think about how in the context of mental fitness, because I think that term is probably difficult for people to understand. Like, what does it mean to be mentally fit? And the invitation, of course, is into self-inquiry and maybe having a process, especially because it's not taught to us in school. That's a whole other, we could Mm -hmm. rant about that all day for sure on a whole podcast episode. That self-inquiry generally is not in the public, whatever, school system in maybe high and private ones. I don't even know. But yeah, what does mental fitness look like? And I think it is important to have structure to it to walk you through and then one can begin to cultivate their own questions through intuition. But yeah, please. Well, I mean, mental fitness came out of, like that language came out of necessity because when I was speaking about the app and that business, it was really easy to get pulled into mental health. And even though, you know, there's a lot of great, great forward advancement and, and opening discussions around mental health, there's still so much stigma there. And usually yeah. the the narrative with mental health is that even how I described my situation falling into depression, it's like you're in a hole and you're pulling yourself out in some capacity, right? And we need those tools. We need, we, we, we need that conversation to happen. But mental fitness includes all of that. 
So it's the umbrella, in my opinion, to mental health, mental performance, mental optimization, resiliency. It's more of a motivating term that, you know what, I'm going I'm to take ownership of my mental fitness and I'm going to tap on all of those categories and I'll do it on my own terms and I'll do things that light me up. Just like mm-hmm. physical fitness, you know, just because you don't like spinning doesn't rule out all of exercise. So find, find the practices and on the mental fitness and physical side that line up, you know, to what you enjoy doing. And that's what I love about the, the, the term or the whole concept is that there are a million different things you can do, but just start, you know, here, coming back to a question, like what are five activities or practices that, you know, if, when you do them, put a smile on your face and make you feel great. I mean, just list those things out. And just having that list gives us confidence knowing that if shit hits the fan, okay, well, I'm just going to default to, I don't this gratitude practice. Or when I was in my low, those are long walks in the east you know, part of Toronto, you know, and just clearing my mind, for example. But if mm. we don't take the time to ask those questions and identify those activities, then we're back on autopilot. And that shit just keeps building and our minds keep getting stuffed and stuffed until there's you know, too much pressure, right? Yeah, we don't often think of our mind fitness and it it couldn't become more important than in times of stress, duress, change, endings, beginnings. And you realize that building the practice, you don't realize how good the tools work till you need the tools. And the best time to do that, much like couples therapy or personal therapy or personal coaching or whatever, We seek those things when things are bad and not realizing that we should actually seek those things when things are good because that actually allows us, right, to become better, like to take something like your your book and go through the process of saying, all right, here's these moments of self-inquiry. I'm going to prioritize these questions, these thoughts, these processes so that, you know, it's kind of like when Kai and I broke up previously. I remember being in just such a, like a real heavy place. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself as I was just laying there in bed, just thinking like sitting with all that grief and, and thinking like, I understand suicide on such a different level now. Like I understood it because my feeling at the time was that the idea of not being here felt easier than being here in that Mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. But I also knew that I was observing that and that it was temporary and that I'd been through heavy places and I'd gotten through them. And I also knew that my practices used to go out the window (laughs) in those times. And I knew how important it was to be in those practices and to be in a state of uh, journaling and asking questions and realizing that there was something so much more being born. And, and I think that's true of any question. I love the analogy that you, you asked that question. I think you said it was from James Clear. Am I climbing the right mountain? I really consider that the earlier part of my journey, like being a rep and the way I was living, I really discovered that so much, so many of us, because it was true for me, but then I started to just see it. Mm-hmm. It goes to your quote on the back of your book, at any point we're one question away from a different life. So many of us are just one giant choice away from rejoining ourselves in some sense or reclaiming yeah. ourselves or remembering ourselves. And 
I know we're often afraid of the answer we might find in journaling, but there's nothing to be afraid of, you know, like, can you speak more to that in that process? Yeah, it's such a great point that you bring up because we are afraid of some of these, these answers. And I would encourage people, if you're firing up a practice or even you have an existing practice, even to step out of it for a second and just set some ground rules for yourself, right? Like for me, I'm the only one that reads my journal unless I decide to share that, number one, right? I'm also not writing a Fast Company article. So just, you know, like write for yourself to let that go wherever you need to go or reflect or if you're not writing, you're just thinking. Like set some rules up that you can lighten the situation. Then you shift it into this potentially daunting practice, which I do find the prompts help because it is, even for myself, Definitely. like a, a blank piece of paper. I mean, there's there's great stuff from Julia Cameron and Morning Pages and so forth. And a lot of people really resonate with that. But for people starting off, a blank piece of paper is is a scary place to be. Whereas the prompts at least give us an invitation to start or, you know, direct some of that that thought process. Whether that's unpacking emotionally charged situations, or here's the flip side of journaling that a lot of people don't talk about. It doesn't always have to be this scary place. It can also be a, a tool to put your mind in this creative thinking and this, this realm of possibility. Here are two prompts that I use often before going to sleep. What if everything went right? You can insert a situation or in general, whatever, but just write out whatever you're working on, like everything going right. Like, well, how would that feel? What would that show up as? And it's not to say that everything will go right, but you're automatically putting your mind in a state of possibility versus in the default mode that I would say is more of a survival mode of everything going wrong, which makes us mm. feel shitty, right? Yeah, you asked me that recently and it was a beautiful exploration of possibility when so much of what we do is ruminate and catastrophize. So it was a beautiful reframe. Yeah, and the other one that that is closely linked is just imagine if, right? yeah. That was the other one you gave me, which was so powerful. Yeah. Well, it's just the, these are the ones I use the most as well. And I'll never forget because there's, there's a profile in the book on Naveen Jain, who's a billionaire entrepreneur and uses these words and this language to create these billion dollar businesses. And he's creating these, these businesses to affect billions of people, essentially. And his thought process or the way he speaks is imagine if. Because like when you're tackling these problems that seem just not achievable or that people have not gone forth to try to, to tackle, you have to go into this mode of possibility. And what he shared with me is when you start doing that, and then you have the conviction and the belief behind, hey, this is possible. The brightest minds in the world want to be on your team and start working on it. Right. So, I mean, there's just hmm. so many examples like that. Those are big. You don't have to be creating, you know, in, in Naveen's case, like companies that are going to the moon and, you know, uh, healthcare companies that are, are trying to eliminate chronic disease by your, your, your gut health and, and so forth with biome, for example. You can use this in your regular day life just to shift your perspective because the default is the opposite, unfortunately, because we're still. Our, our, our biology is still linked to survival mode. I mean, there's no way around that. I just like that's where we have not, our minds are way farther than our actual biology. So we have to short circuit that. 
I do. And you right, and you layer on all the societal pressures and, and again, social media and content, it's just fueling that that fear state. That doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help us, it doesn't help anyone around us, it definitely doesn't move the world forward. So these are all things that we can just pop out of that, even if it's for microseconds, but just enough to ask a different question or to your point, make a different decision. And then next thing you know, you're on a different path. You're like, oh, there it is. What a beautiful invitation to recalibrate, maybe uh, reorient in a different way to not seeing ourselves as being owned or commanded by our minds or our fears or our catastrophizing, but rather to just begin to train the mind, to see the world differently, to see our experiences differently. Also, the imagine if, I mean, that could be used with like any scary choice, possibility, vulnerability, Mm -hmm. boundary. Like you just start to see like, what is possible if I really stepped into this thing? And you can't, ask other people that who have limited mindsets. You can ask people who have expansive mindsets, people who are like, yeah. oh my God, everything's possible. You could change your life. It'll be, imagine the love you can create, the the life you can create. So Mark, these are all such beautiful invitations and I appreciate you turning your mess into your message and <laughs> you know, becoming the teacher that you needed is for us to invite this. So Curious for the people listening, where can they find more of you and where can they, I, I'm guessing they can find a book anywhere. Books are sold, but, but any, yeah. any details people need. I know your podcast is called Behind the Human and I know you can get that anywhere that podcasts are. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, I kept things easy. The, the website link, uh, everything forwards to behindthehuman.com. So pods there, the, the, the books there, the work that I'm doing with teams is also there. I'm a message away. Like I would love to share the questions that work for you. I'm not saying that, you know, the, the, the ones that you're pulling from my book, just your reflective questions. Cause as you probably have gathered, I'm somewhat of a collector of questions of thousands of them. And I love to curate these questions with, with, you know, the proper moments to make real impact. So please share them. And I, I'd love to share that with the community. You also work with teams. You also work with leaders. You also work with people one-on-one. So where yeah. is that the possibility of people being able to get um, more connection or direction from you? Yeah, that's all at, at uh, there's a for teams tab at, at the behindthehuman.com website. And all I'm doing there is really bringing in mental fitness into the workplace and slowing people down and priming people's minds to then ask the bigger questions. You know, when it's business related, like where are we playing it safe? right? And just asking questions like that. But it's hard to answer a question like that when your mind is loaded up. So first, we take some time just like releasing, checking in, and coming out of the mind into the body so we can actually go a little bit deeper. Beautiful. Well, thank you, sir, for being here today. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.